Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded on, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present, and those emerging. As we mentioned in previous episodes, we have started a Patreon account. It's pretty easy to find online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. As much as we're doing this for fun, podcasting does not come without its own costs and we would be super grateful for any support. We're also really grateful to our existing patrons and indeed all of you listening. Just as a quick wrap up, we are also so thankful to have so many listeners. When we started thinking about this podcast back in May, we had no idea that we would have listeners ranging past our immediate family and friends from Australia, US and the UK, all the way into Latvia, Chile, India, and over 20 other countries. Ooh, pretty freaking cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> with all of the content that is out there, we just really appreciate knowing that you're choosing to spend your time with us. We hope you all have a very safe and happy New Year's, as this will be released very first week in January, um, and a very adventurous 2022. Looking forward to talking to many more everyday amazing adventurers. So with that in mind, today we talk to Tom Kinsley. Tom is a RAF pilot based in Newcastle in New South Wales, and we took the chance to talk to him while he was up visiting his amazing girlfriend, Cecilia Matas. Listen to episode five if you haven't already. Tom is an athlete and an adventurer with a really varied background, and the conversation matched that. We spoke to him about some of his ultra running adventures through to exciting things like sinking a yacht off the coast of France. Tom was so fun to talk to and has done so many amazing adventures. We hardly scratched the surface as is becoming the main theme with most of our podcast guests. Uh, we're still sorting out some audio issues with some of the popping in the background. So if anybody knows what could be going on, please slide into my DMs as I am the editor of this. But we hope it doesn't take away from the quality of the conversation with Tom. Happy New Year. Cue the music with Kristen. To episode 17 of the Into the We Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am here today with my wonderful co-host Kristen Vorton. Hello! We've also got Bear in the studio. We can't leave you out, buddy. We do have Bear and we are also joined by another human. Yes, well, actually, <laughs> Bear, Bear's not a human. Sorry, poor English. We're joined by a human. <laughs> His name is Tom Kinsley. Welcome, Tom. Hey guys, it's so good to be here. Yeah, we've got to uh, also thank Cecilia for your time because, uh, yes, Tom is here because, well, for a lot of reasons, uh, but Tom is dating our guest episode five, was she? Ooh, I, I think know. we've had, yeah, we don't know anything about our episodes, um, but yeah, Tom is with Cecilia, so he is visiting up from New South Wales, Newcastle. Yes. Yes, indeed. Which is like an international trip right now. So congratulations, Tom. Welcome to I'm Queensland. Happy to be back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good to be back in the so premier good. state. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Check it out. It has been because it's been about five months, hasn't it, since you've been able to get up here? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Twenty fifth of July. Not counting the days. Why? So yeah, I'm so Jeez. happy that you've been able to make it up and reunited with Cecilia. And so we're stealing you while you're up here having your precious time. No, it's great to be here. Awesome. All right, so just to, I was going to say warm up, but I'm not going to lie, it's pretty cozy in here already. But to warm <laughs> up, we will start with some quick fire questions, Tom. You can answer these as a true quick fire with a single word, or you can take Kristen's approach and go for a long story. Entirely up to you. Okay. Okay, standing by. There you go. All right. So to kick it off, um, we know that we've, so again, we've got no background on Tom at the moment for you listeners, but we understand that you've taken part in a whole host of adventures and sports. If you could only do one sport for the rest of your life, what would it be? Running. Oh, oh good one. There we go. How'd you go? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a sport? It's just an activity, right? Oh my god! Controversy. Yeah. Oh. yeah. If you go down activities, <laughs> then this could go. We'll stick with running, and we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. Next one. What is the most memorable place in the world that you have camped? Ooh, that is a good one. <clears throat> Bottom of the Grand Canyon, Bright Angel Creek. That mm. was awesome. Uh, mostly so because you could hear wolves like howling away at night, and that was a little bit intimidating. Wow. Um, but just also because you're just at the bottom of this amazing, amazing place. It was uh, it was a cool experience. Yeah, that would be incredible. And do you get that echoing effect of the wolves if you're in that type of environment? Yeah, yeah. it was literally like something out of a movie. Uh, wow. some, someone playing a soundtrack right now. This is freaking me out. <laughs> like, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I would love to get to um, the Grand Canyon as well. All right. This next one is not my favorite question. Sarah always tees me up to ask it. Contentious issue. Pineapple on pizza. Hell's yes or hell's no? Hell's no. no. Oh my God! (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) I so thought you were going to be a hell's yes. Yeah. I, I sense we're split here, yeah. So, so what's happened? I mean, you're obviously very intuitive, Tom, to realise because Kristen just leapt out of her chair and hit the ceiling. But pretty much every guest we've had in these episodes, however many we're on, has been Hell's Yeah, Team Sarah. So Kristen has been hanging out for this moment. And I know she'll have had a prejudice and I thought, oh, he's from the UK. He'll like have pe- pineapple on his pizza. Yeah, because we've been there. 100%. Literally, that's what I was thinking. I was about to preface the question with, I can't really answer this question. It's, I'm it's so good, stoked. Good to be part of the team. Yeah. Like, yeah. I will personally buy you a Hell's No t-shirt. I'm, I'm so excited. Did you know that? That he was going to say hell's no? I didn't know, but I had no... I don't have preconceived ideas, Kristen, so... <laughs> but you looked at me as if, like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. He's, a, he's on my team. Like, <laughs> the statistics would suggest at some point it has to happen, so yeah. Well, that will definitely be editing, because I'm pretty sure I screamed into the microphone. Yeah. So sorry, y'all, for your... Uh... Pretty sure my headphones gained up. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> some serious clipping on that thing. <laughs> All right. Oh, we can end cool. the podcast can, there. That's just what to say. <laughs> Head off for Tom's pizza. A, Tom's my favorite interview. <laughs> yes. All right. So next one, now that we've got past that monumental occasion. Um, so 
again, we haven't covered this, but bearing in mind you have a military background, Tom, mm. and I understand you've done some survival training from the little notes that you sent us. Thank you. If you were faced with a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> which three people would you take with you on the run? And which three items would you take from your house? Ooh, bonus question over there, Sarah. Yeah. Three people. Cecilia, obviously. Good um, one. Because she could outrun them as well. Yeah, so right. she's handy. Handy. Yeah. Although, is she the best one to take with you if she leaves you behind? Then oh, you're the first one that the zombies yeah. get. I'm pretty used to being checked by her, so yeah, yeah, I, I can deal with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's such a terrible phrase um, yeah. sorry I remain quiet yeah, there. yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> that's okay at least people know what it is yeah um, we'll go with Cecilia let's go with uh, some kind of decent survivalist uh, who would that be who's top of the list right now uh, let's just go with Bear Grylls he's pretty handy I think in Bear Grylls he's, he's a good choice yeah um, and then somebody clever mm. do they have to be alive no could be from anyone. any time ever yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, he's pretty good. Let's go with Thomas Edison. He could invent some stuff along the way. I'd take a hatchet from my house. Yeah. Um, what else? I would take... Oh, that's such a good question. I would take a hatchet. I would take a hammer. And I would take something to carry water in. Perfect. Nice. Nice Awesome. One. Yeah. Hmm. It, and that was actually pretty quick to answer. I don't think I would. it would have taken me the whole weekend. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be planning just in case it comes. <laughs> I liked Luke's answer when he did it. It was um, his partner, Kara, Will Smith from, because of <laughs> yeah. I Am Legend. Yeah. And wasn't it like Rambo or something, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we also didn't ask him who, or we didn't ask what him about he the would tools, take. Yeah, yeah. So pretty good quick answer as well. Quick on your feet, Tom. <laughs> the last one just to round it out, um, speaking of Luke, uh, being a sports psychologist as well, hmm. he talked a lot about gratitude, but we're, we try and focus a little bit here just on self-compassion. Mm. It's something that does get left behind. So just giving a bit of an appreciation for yourself. Um, so Tom, give yourself a compliment. Ooh, that's a really tough one because no one ever does that. No one ever compliments themselves. So mm-hmm. good, great question. Um, I would start with a criticism in that to counter it, I take myself a bit too seriously um, sometimes, probably a lot of the time. A lot of people roll their eyes, I think, if they listen to that seriously all the time. Um, so... I guess that the tenacity to just keep going when something goes a bit wrong. So pick myself back up and just keep having a nut. Perfect. Nice. Although I question why you needed to lead with that bit because the tenacity was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just tenacity. Let's do yeah. that. <clears throat> Even better. So, so, there you it. go. Thank you. Well, you made it through the quick fire you again. Did. Well done. Good job. That was literally the best quick fire ever. Just because of that one question. <laughs> I will not get over that. I did not think I was going to find anybody like that. So anyways, um, Sarah did give you a bit of a format for how the podcast generally runs and things. So mm. we do like to kick it off. Um, <laughs> Sarah's also so failing <laughs> um, We like to kind of give you the floor in the way of just presenting yourself, who you are, Tom, how you have gotten to be where you are, what you are doing, to just a bit of an origin story, as many or little words as you'd like. Okay. Uh, I'll try and keep it to the point. Um, you can tell by my accent, born in the UK, Bristol, 
southwest. All right, my lovers out there. Hello. I, I love the West Country. Oh, our... <laughs> I like a cider. Yeah, drunk, oh, I need to work. I've on drunk that cider since I was five. Oh, uh, I like to drink scrumpy through my teeth. In it. Oh my god, in that it. accent. Do you know all those words? I don't know those words. Yeah, and so I, cider. I grew up pretty near to the West Country, even though I pretend to be Scottish. And so yeah, when I was little, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sour. Oh, I like, oh, I like red wine." <laughs> Proper cider drinkers down that way. Yeah. No messing. Yeah. yeah. Flat cider. Yeah. All, all of these things you'd never have thought it yeah and what was the other word that you said scrumpy what's a scrumpy yeah scrump, scrumpy is a type of cider where it's oh not, <laughs> it's just stuffed thrown in a pot and fermented with apples probably maybe pork whatever else you want to throw in there like unfiltered hardcore moonshine hardcore. moonshine of the west yeah. country sounds delightful mm, this is delightful yeah <laughs> So yeah, anyway, obviously brought up with a bunch of um, cider drinking country bu- country bumpkins. <laughs> uh, I uh, yeah, I have a brother, older brother, uh, Sam. Hi, Sam. Um, he is a few years older than me. Um, and mum and dad, they're both teachers. So yeah, born and raised in Bristol. Um, yeah, happy childhoods of holidays in France, camping. Yeah, lots of camping in France in the Dordogne, as did many other nice. British families, I yep. guess. So saw a bunch of that and some hilarious activities uh, growing up. Um, so yeah, real ha- happy childhood. Went to uni in Manchester. Was lucky enough to get sponsored by the Air Force when I wanted to go to uni. Just before that, I took a um, yeah, I took a year out, learned to fly, got a private pilot's license. Was always interested in flying, and actually had a lucky enough experience to. Um, to get a free flight on a light aircraft when I was about 13 or 14. Got bitten by the bug then. Uh, music was a big part of my life. Play the trumpet. Um, oh, oh, wait. Tom. Really? Oh, my Follow gosh. Trumpet yeah, but I was probably better than you. Oh, that's, that's, that's not hard. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no, the only joke is because Phil also played the trumpet. Oh, no kidding. But of course, we never played together because it was all in high school and college. So I just always joke, like, I was first year in jazz band and symphonic band. I was, like, way better than him. <laughs> so it's just my go-to thing. <laughs> yeah, I was first trumpet. He was, like, fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was first as well, but I'm, like, but America, so we've got <laughs> But America, <laughs> yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> Good so that's cool. How long did you play trumpet for? Oh, um, I think it started when I was in, like, the last year of primary school and then continued nearly did it at uni so hmm. I played in a bunch of the ba- like the county bands and orchestras um uh growing up and like my oldest friend actually is just through through that so we met when we were i don't know like 10 um i'm now godfather to his oldest daughter caitlin oh. hi caitlin nice. and um they're in all in wales uh now um and yeah played in a bunch of those and then decided that flying was probably going to be it so i actually went to uni in manchester um and got sponsored by the Air Force, did aerospace engineering. Oh, my God, that was a bad decision. Um, and did a bunch more flying through uni and some other fun stuff. And then took a little bit of time out just before starting officer training. I could delay my entry to do officer, the, the officer training kind of bit. It was about 10 months uh, of training before you then graduate, and then you're off into whatever career that you're going to do in the Air Force. And I traveled uh, by myself, actually, through Southeast Asia, China, Southeast Asia, which was amazing. In 2000 and, oh my God, uh, 2006. <laughs> um, oh, that's awesome because I traveled after uni in 2006 as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> Cecilia, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a few years behind that. Um, but uh, yeah, then, then went into the Air Force, did a bunch, well, did a bunch of flying training with the RAF and uh, things changed when uh, 
the David Cameron government came to power, so I actually uh, lost my job, was made redundant, would you believe it? And an opportunity came up to come to Australia, which um, I haven't looked back on since. So I was super fortunate to be able to transfer, come over here. With it came citizenship. And um, I've been here since 2013. And the lifestyle in itself to just being more outdoorsy, getting involved in many different types of activities, uh, using more of your day because of the, the lifestyle and the weather. Uh, mm. <laughs> dare I say it. Um, so got into a lot more of kind of triathlon and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then met uh, Cecilia in two years ago, um, just over two years ago. And I've obviously been running a bunch more since then. So, uh, yeah, obviously with that came my job, which was a transfer over to the Aussie Air Force over here as well. Yeah. That's what I do with my daytime. And you fly planes for your job? Or I fly planes, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah there like, are lots of jobs in the in the RAF, I imagine. So. Yeah, there are yeah. a few, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Everyone just assumes, oh, you're in the Air Force. Yeah, you fly a plane, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not the general deal, but yeah, I do. Fly. I'm lucky enough to fly airplanes, yeah. What is a normal day? Oh, normal day. Get up, do some training, hopefully, uh, or at the start or the end of the day. Um, get into work somewhere around 8 o'clock. We're talking about work day, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know adventures later. <laughs> <laughs> My perfect day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, get to, we have Met Brief every day, so we uh, listen to what the Met Man says and catch up on a few points from uh, what the, the, the kind of senior executive staff might be saying about the day and the week ahead. And then probably go flying, so brief, fly, debrief, uh, maybe do that twice, maybe do a sim as well. Mm. Um, I'm in an instructing role right now, so I um, spend a lot more time trying to yeah, educate the guys and let them know what there is expected of them and then debrief them and write tech sheets and uh, develop and prep course material as well. So, um, yeah, uh, longish day some days. Then wrap up and train or jump in the ocean and come go home. Cool. Not <laughs> bad. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And so you're based in Newcastle at the moment. And is there a plan potentially to move back to Queensland? How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> How does anything work in the military reference posting? I do not know. Um, yeah. So give me another year or so, and I reckon it would more more than likely be heading back this way. But who knows? The uh, the lovely people in the RAF might have other opportunities, well, other ideas for me. So we'll see how that goes. I'm totally at their mercy, sadly. But the preference would be to come back up this way. And when you're flying, are you just flying within New South Wales? Generally, yeah. yeah. You yeah. can't just like do a fly over here and like a little wave. Oh, well, especially not when the border's shut. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been more difficult to do that. Um, but we, we we have done a bit of it. Yeah, there's enough gas in the jet to get up here. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Pretty cool. just need to convince them to let me do that. <laughs> more often than not, because it's a training job at the moment, we mm. just stay in the local airspace, like tear some holes in the sky and, and come back. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned that you have only kind of just recently gotten into more try stuff since being in Australia. Mm. What kind of sparked all of that um, transition for you? Just the weather? <laughs> Pretty much. Everyone seemed to be doing it. Um, you arrive in this country and most of the people are near the beach and there's some amazing opportunities and, and just infrastructure to go out, run, mm. train. The wildlife, the, um, well, I guess the bush like, area around is just welcoming and amazing to me um, I guess because it's a new landscape as well it was just seems super awesome to just go and see all this this new stuff so I kind of saw it as a way of seeing more of the country um, people were generally 
I, I felt, I guess I felt gravitating more easily towards uh, people in Australia who are more outgoing in that, that respect, uh, joining tri clubs, training with them. It just seemed like an amazing way to go about starting the day. Um, so yeah, the, the opportunity was, is with the, the, the weather. Yeah, I think. of course. And you mentioned like in terms of try running and your quick fire, you were like very certain if you could only do one sport, it would be running. Hmm. Like, where did that begin? Is that something that you've been doing since being a child or like what's, what's your sporting background in that sense? Yeah. Every, everything has always centered around running. Yep. That's been like a staple. If I need to go and do something, I can go for a run. And it's something that I've always been able to do relatively well. And I wish I'd realized this a bit earlier. <laughs> it's only now that I'm really spending time focusing on it and getting into it that I realize I'm actually kind of okay at it. It's not terrible at it. Um, whereas triathlon, swimming, I'm terrible at. Um, so I'm kind of offsetting everything else. I feel you else. on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so triathlon, I was never going to, you know succeed at protect you know if that's if that's what is important to you mm. whereas uh running it just seems to go um a little bit more easily for me more naturally put it that way yeah yeah that's cool and running has taken you quite a lot of places as well mm. so it's a nice easy way to, because you can hop over and you know do the grand canyon <laughs> you just have to pack a couple of shoes you don't have to pack your whole bike and do yeah, this exactly, whole thing yeah. and stuff so yeah um where has it taken you running Oh, in terms of just places yeah. around the world uh, or experiences just gained. Just notable, um, notable places to start with. Mm. Um, obviously started out in the UK with a bit of the the Brecon Beacons, um, places that were easily accessible uh, to, to the southwest initially. Um, didn't, didn't do anything crazy other than the three peaks and just tried to get up and down those as quickly as we could um, when I was younger. Can you just explain to the audience, <clears throat> excuse me, bearing in mind it's probably more Australian, what the three peaks are? Oh, yeah, sure. The highest hills, uh, <laughs> mount, mountains uh, in, in uh, Scotland, uh, England and Wales, being Ben Nevis, Scaffold Pike and uh, Snowdon, um, respectively. And you try. there's a challenge to try and get around all three of them in 24 hours, which you can do easily. Um, just relies on having a solid driver uh, to get you between the three. Um but, uh, and a weather window as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to do another decent. Yeah, that's a good point. Decent time of the year. And there's actually another challenge, which is sailing between the, the three of them as well, uh, which is a race. Um, would you believe it? So you've generally got some weapons who run from the coast up the hills to the nearest point, but they've got to deal with well, what what are generally really calm waters around the UK? I, I think yes, <laughs> calm and warm, calm and warm and really still. <laughs> No, no spew. Yeah, no, none of that. Have you taken part in that race? <laughs> no, no. I, um, I've done a bunch of sailing. Yeah, because I was thinking you mentioned sailing as well. Yeah, it, it would. Uh, yeah, it would be, be interesting cool to one. do a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. but never got around to it. No. Yeah, that's kind of a classic. I would love to be involved mm. in that. Mm. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, UK, uh, America with work more recently has been amazing. That's just super fortunate to have had several opportunities to <clears throat> spend time in the higher desert kind of area, California. Utah, Arizona, um, mostly yeah, yeah, because of work, as, uh, as I mentioned. Um, where else? Southeast Asia, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia. It's been some really cool running around some kind of uh, volcano activities around there, which has been interesting. Like heartbreaking at the same time with um, obviously the very different conditions that people live in over there. Um, but uh, but eye-opening and some, some amazingly beautiful uh, scenery that's around there. Bits of Oz uh obviously that i've tried to tick off on mostly on the east coast um where else those are the highlights that i've got really yeah 
No, and you were, I know you were specifically training for MDS or, mm. I'm going to kill the pronunciation, Marathon de Sable. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Crushed it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, uh, it's unavoidable. COVID has become such a theme of our podcast because we are talking to so many adventurous people who love to travel and all of that's changed. Even interstate races have been cancelled. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Because I know that you still did like a huge run in spite of not getting to MDS, but do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that worked for you? Hmm. Well, one, yeah, wanted to uh, do MDS in 2020. I should, so, we should probably explain what that is as well, actually, so, if you don't mind. That'd yeah, yeah. The Marathon de Sable is, is really well known in the British community a bit more because mm. I think it's more easily accessible to get to the Sahara, which is where it takes place. So it's a multi-day uh, race essentially covers well six days of racing through the Sahara Desert um, of varying lengths but uh, you're self-supported for the whole thing other than water which you get refilled at at various points lots of strict rules on um, min max weight how much water you can take at certain points um, and it's like yeah obviously a race on cumulative time over over the whole thing the locals usually win it um, obviously because they've got a little bit more prep I guess in the like, environment but yeah it's particularly popular with the Europeans that's so for uh, Australasians because of the the problem of of travel, mm. um, but yeah, entered it because uh, I I was al it was always on the bucket list and it seemed like an awesome thing to kick off an interest in taking running a bit more seriously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, COVID came along and had other plans, so I figured that I would do something else with the time invested, um, which was to um, have a run for twenty four hours. Yeah. As you do. As you do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, I, mean, I, I ran for twenty four hours. Yeah, it was pretty painful. Um, <laughs> And it wasn't yeah. like a, a 24 hours gallivanting across the desert, was it? It was in a bit more of a confined space from what I understand. Mm, it was dictated by COVID, obviously. Yeah. So wanted to do something or to, or to put the power back in my hands against everybody else telling you what you can't do. Mm. Okay, well, what can I do? Is yep. the way I looked at it. Nice. Um, and with the support of, of my employer, the Air Force, we've got lots of sanitized, clear space on airfields. So I came up with the idea and got the full support of uh, the the base I was working at the time at Amberley and we set up a 1k track and essentially just ran round and round and round that changed direction every three hours just to <laughs> give the other quad another go. <laughs> and yeah. uh, did it to try and support uh, UNICEF Australia as well for, for the coronavirus uh, appeal so um, had some great support from the Air Force and my colleagues at the time it was definitely type two gusting into three fun yeah, and the hardest thing I've done running so far, but really good to learn a lot about myself and what my body can and can't do. So yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah, and was it a bitumen loop that you were on? It was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's Ooh. tough on the body body Sash. running. That, yeah. yeah, that one k loop, <laughs> even with your very generous three hour turnaround of direction, like. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, I actually, I ran, um, the only like lap race I've done was like a last man standing around the crit track at Narang, yep. which is not that long. Um, and it's all bitumen. And I remember after, I think it was like after 60Ks, they changed the direction and I was so excited. Wow. But it was actually the hardest thing because I didn't realize I'd just become so programmed to running in the same direction <laughs> that then my body was like, wait we've been doing this for hours yeah. and now yeah like you say the other quarter has yeah. to do something yeah. <laughs> so yeah and then in terms of like you said you obviously had support of the air force which is great mm. was it just you as a solo effort or was there like a team atmosphere there it was just me that was running for the 24 yeah um but i had a, i think i only ran actually maybe three k's by myself 
there was nice. always people running with me, which was amazing, actually. When you think of it, they all came out at various times of night and sorted mm. me out. And how far did you cover? 172 UKs, which, yeah, yeah, that's okay. I got more than 100 miles, so I'm pretty happy with that. I have my my, my sights set on something different, but yeah, um, yeah. put it this way, I learned a lot about how my body deals with various nutrition um, and going for that long. So it was eye-opening, but uh, who knows? I might have another time. In yeah, the would you do it again? I, I think I probably would, yeah. Um, I think I probably would. If because not, those timed races, the 6 and the 12 and the 24 hour, yeah. are becoming really big events. Um, more so, I think, in America than in Australia. Mm. There's a lot of those timed ones rather than just your distance ones of your events of like, all right, it's just kind of you against the clock. So, yeah, it would be uh, pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Kind of cool to chase the distance though, hey? Yeah. I sense that may be something on your mind. It, yeah, it was. I, I wanted to get 200Ks done. And yeah, obviously it was a bit further of a stretch than my body was ready for at the time but um yeah a little bit de- disappointing as you see that getting away from you and trying mm. to trying to stimulate yourself through the whole challenge of what is achievable what am i doing at the moment and how can i make the best of the situation what's realistic reevaluating on the go it's um yeah it's a useful lesson so what kept you going Oof, the thought of a croissant and coffee at the end. <laughs> that kept me going through anything. <laughs> I was about to say, I can just imagine people being like, yeah, I don't need to run 24 hours for the croissant and the, and the coffee. But yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's a really nice French pastisserie down the road that you can pick one up. Closer than 172 k so Okay, all right. Closer, yeah. yes. It's yeah. probably about 800 meters. <laughs> Although, if that is genuinely what kept you going, that's absolutely <laughs> legit as well but i'm just thinking like 24 hours is a long time to be running a kilometer mm. loop of bitumen mm. no it's a really good question what why did i do it um i wanted to know if my body could go for 24 hours mm-hmm. and it literally came from training after work running around the base which is super quiet peaceful really nice place to live, to actually go for a run because there's nobody else out there a bunch of kangaroos hopping around beautiful weather generally and I kind of thought, oh, I wonder how long I could do this. And yeah, next minute I was I was planning it and doing it. Did the fundraising element, did that play a part in you thinking I need to keep going? It did when the money started coming in through the night. Yeah, because people, cool. yeah, learning from that, people started actually donating when they see you doing something and having social media presence with the, the Air Force uh, public relations teams as well obviously helped and oh, putting videos up there. So. Seeing more cash roll in was like, well, okay, I won't stop for so long for this next break. <laughs> Let's keep going. So, um, yeah, that was a definite inspiration. Huh, that's super interesting. Mm. I haven't actually thought about that before, but it's obviously just becomes more tangible when they see you suffering. That mm. it's like, yeah, I'll support this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. becomes real. 100%. Huh. It's easier, I think, to give to a cause when you, yeah, I think you almost need something physical to mm. draw back on rather mm. than just like, oh, I'm going to send my money into the atmosphere. Feels like you're, yeah, like they would have been supporting you mm. doing that run and it's going to a good cause. Yeah. I think that's a good tip for anybody who is trying to raise money is to make it as tangible as possible for the people that are your potential donators. Yeah, Totally. Mm. And it's hard with something because the reality is the majority of the population haven't run for 24 hours. Mm. You know, it's like mm. you could say you're running for 12 hours and it probably means a similar thing to mm. a lot of people. So yeah, that's a really cool insight. And did you sleep at all in that time? No, no. Yeah, why? Yeah, just stopped for some some comfort breaks, some longer than I would have liked. <laughs> Again, all learning. Um, and that was it. Uh, actually, the longest I stopped was to change, I think, at the 12-hour point, my um, shoes and socks. 
Yeah. Bold move. A, a little out. gift to yourself there. Yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes that can work against you. Yeah. If your feet have gotten so accustomed to the shoes, people have got their you know mindset set on one thing or yeah, the other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But sometimes it can give you a lift new shirt or new shoes or whatever it is i did yeah. that too yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. it felt fresh mm. yeah <laughs> and how about like in terms of the mindset running into the night when it got dark mm. like how did you find that yeah that's a, that's a good challenge for anyone who does a lot of running um mm -hmm. once you see that change happen um i guess you just try and break things down or what i tried to do is try and break things down into shorter like chunks in front of me that's much more easy to uh, to, to digest rather than thinking oh my god I've got another 10 hours of darkness ahead of me <laughs> that would definitely make you stop longer at the next you know break but um, if you just focus a little bit more in terms of what's my nutrition plan okay it's going to be based around 40 minutes of this this and this let's just concentrate on I had in particular for this plan was I was running at 5 minute 40 pace for I think it was 7 minutes on 3 minutes of walking Okay, cool, uh, yeah. initially so let's let's get that done and see how i feel at the next one and maybe maybe i might treat myself to a squat after that um and see how i go <laughs> good luck getting back up yeah, <laughs> but um yeah break it down into those chunks so if it's based around something like your nutrition that probably helps and then it's all worth it once the sun comes up yeah that's I cool bet. that's, that's gonna feel awesome, so good yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you think about doing marathon to some obviously it things have changed i think since the like my appetite since the pandemic is uh, has broken out i will 100 percent want to go to that part of the world it would be amazing uh, to see that culture and uh, and see that amount of desert as well the whole surrounding area mauritania would be awesome to see but right now taking the risk of potentially getting super sick in a place like that it it uh contextualizes things a little bit more mm. especially i don't know if anybody's followed it uh who's listening this year it's um was one of the trickier years that they've had. They actually had a fatality and yeah, lots and that. lots of people got super sick uh, mm -hmm. this year through um, DMV and all kinds of other stuff. So it didn't, it didn't sound like the most enjoyable experience for a lot of them and they had the, the largest percentage ever of DNF. So clearly a challenging year for whatever reasons. Um, so not right now is the short answer. Does stage racing itself still appeal to you? 100%. Yeah, cool. Do you have your eyes set on something else? Oh, there, there are a few things that... that I would love to do more adventure racing, like multi-sport, oh, multi-discipline-wise. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Sarah and I entered the um, coast to coast in New Zealand, and obviously that's off the cards because it's it's not open to us. Yeah. Um, so we politely have to say, okay, maybe next time. Um, that would be amazing. That would be amazing to, to have a go at. Yeah. There's uh, there's a few adventure races in uh, NZ which look incredible and pretty hardcore as well. It's something that we've not really ventured into yet, but um we're watch this space for swim run uh in this next ah, next summer cool so uh, cecilia has got to be in her bonnet so we're gonna hopefully have a go love it mm. and you mentioned swimming not being your favorite leg of the track <laughs> that's what i was just so thinking this too is interesting yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting like cecilia's like you can pull me through the water it's like well uh, and i'll pull you up the hill okay right i'll see how that goes <laughs> Yeah, because when Cecilia was talking about it, her partner was the stronger swimmer, but she was yeah. the stronger runner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's the dynamic yeah. that she knows. That's so, cool. Uh, swim run in Australia? No. Uh, in Well, planning to, all going well, go back to Europe uh, for July, August next year. Awesome. Um, I'm touching wood right now. Sure. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. Not knocking on wood. 
<laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Sweden more than likely. Um, but isn't this like the home? It's where you've, you've got to start there. To, mm. uh, well, actually, sorry, I made an assumption. Have you done swim run before? Never. No. no. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> Cecilia is taking you to the home yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> how can it be? We'll have a go. Oh, fantastic. I'm you just tied together. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to drown. Totally. I, I hate you. I never want to see you again. <laughs> I was thinking it. Although yes, it is a test of a relationship, totally. probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially in the swim, right? When you both are struggling a little bit and potentially in the run as well, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I think of guiding in kayaks and couples in double kayaks, mm. I'm like, oh, mm. this is always going to reveal how the relationship is. So, yeah, I'm sure being tied to someone in a swim well, I know how that goes in the car. We, we went to Taos earlier this year and did the South Coast track and took a couple of days afterwards in Fresno, which is amazing. Beautiful. And yeah, we did some time in kayaking then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cecilia did zero paddling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so pretty here. It's like, she's going to hate me for saying that. It's the truth. I was just going to say, Cecilia's not here to defend herself. She probably was like, oh, well, Tom was doing the paddling. It's like riding a tandem bike as well. So Phil will always ride in the back if we ever ride a tandem bike, which has been like twice. <laughs> so no, he rides in the front and I ride in the back because he's like, oh, I've got a steer. And then I'm like, dude, you got a friggin' pa- pe- pedal as well. <laughs> You're doing such a good job. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we um we did talk to Cecilia about your fast packing mm. the South Coast track mm. as well. And she didn't mention the kayaking. So I guess maybe <laughs> there's something in that. But that was cool talking to her about that fast packing experience. And for her, that was a pretty new thing. Mm, Have you done a lot of fast packing yourself? Not loads, but just here and there. I would would define myself as somebody who wants to give many different things a go um, and um, see what takes my fancy. And and that always did, just seeing how you could support yourself over a few days. Um, It's more of just a basic skill that I think people should have. Okay, if I need to go and get from A to B over a few days, can I do it? Um, and why not do it a little bit faster by running? And a bit lighter, yeah, yeah instead yeah. of carting a massive pack around. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the Grand Canyon, I, I did fast packing essentially from rim to rim to rim. So camped at the bottom of, of that in Bright Angel Canyon um, on, the, well, on the way back uh, to go back up the south side. Um, so, so is that just an overnight mm, on the bottom? Yeah, mm, cool. It was, yeah. So, covered, yeah, covered most of it in, in the one day and then just got myself, hauled myself back out the I was the just going to say, yeah, but you saved all of the, yeah, up <laughs> the, the, the mile, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, done, done a bit here and there and, yeah, realized that it's a lot about planning and a lot about kit choice. Which so. I feel with a military background is going to be a strength of yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, not a natural strength of mine, but, yeah, I guess I've been been taught how to do that kind of stuff and uh some of my friends would definitely roll their eyes at seeing me running around like a clatter of bits <laughs> in certain exercises being like what are you doing oh my god <laughs> well yeah. i do remember cecilia specifically saying that you were the one who did all the planning for tazzy and she was quite happy that that was the setup so. this will be fine yeah we'll be fine how, how can it be yeah i'll be all right we're only in like one of the most re- remote places in that's Australia. the thing yeah. it is a remote yeah. track yeah. yeah absolutely i would love to get on there for sure yeah, it's a yeah. special place yeah it's pretty cool because how long did you take to do it, remind me? Uh, three days, two nights. Which yep. is on that terrain and on that track is fast. It's hard going. Yeah. I cannot believe that the FKT is like nine hours or something like that. What? Yeah, okay. Yeah, nuts. It must have, well, I don't want to take anything away from them, but fa- favorable conditions, I would imagine, because some of it is boggy. Like, <laughs> 
There's a brilliant video. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tom. And I don't know how you feel about me laughing at you. I don't know you very well. But there is a brilliant video I saw, which maybe Cecilia posted, of you just like sinking into bog. Like it's like you just, you're gone. I mean, yeah, it's It's full on. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it was hilarious in fairness. And um, it's hard. Some of those bog lands is really hard to tell if it's, because it's protected and the top of like the surface water tension is all the same. It's like, is this half a, a centimeter hole? deep? Or is it, yeah. <laughs> Just a hole. It's like, a lot of the time it's like, oh, that's the latter. Okay, yeah, I'm pulling myself out again. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Really cool. That would have been awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you forget it's so remote because it's Tazzy. Mm. Whereas you're like, oh, I just took a plane to get here. Like, I'm only a couple hours away. It's not that big of a place. Mm. But mm. then you get out in there and it's, um, yeah, it can be pretty intense pretty wild yeah rob our um episode whatever it is um he did a like a bit of an expedition to find a like a gravesite of his long lost uncle was it sarah just making sure i've got yes. my facts right and they get out there yeah. and i mean they would have been going up and down and stuff but they didn't cover very much land but it's just so like wild as well mm. too yeah yeah, well, yeah. yeah i can well imagine yeah yeah real wilderness area mm. Very cool. Okay, so I was conscious. Um, you said something earlier about you wish that you discovered running earlier. Um, and obviously there have been changes in races, etc. Can we talk about injury? Mm. I feel like that's something that you've been facing, knowing from your chats with Cecilia. And mm. I just wonder like how you are at the moment. I saw you were running in Nusa National Park, which is awesome to see because mm. it's just one of the most beautiful places to it's run. So good though, yeah. But yeah, like how has that been for you? Yeah, it's been a frustrating year. This year has been the toughest year for injury for me. Um, I had a hernia surgery to uh, patch that one up, which has gone really well. Then picked up a stress fracture in my shin uh, and then a bit of a calf strain like straight away. So lots of like some of them smaller than others, but but still having to deal with some some bigger stuff, which is always a battle of the mind and uh, and dealing with it. But I've tried to embrace it a lot with, um, you know, talking with a very supportive partner as well in that you should listen to your body and do everything you can to rehabilitate it to come back stronger. And that has helped me a lot with dealing with it. To, to think about what I can do and what I can do in the future and not try and expedite the recovery process too much. Um, so I don't feel down about it at all and I'm not frustrated by it. I'm actually encouraged with where things will go and what I can do in, in the next year. So um, dealing with it and on the, the steady rise back, which I'm pretty yeah, happy with. Yeah, nice. Right. Because there's, like, there's no doubt, like it's been, I don't want to like get super personal, but it's obviously been hard the last five months not being mm. able to come up here, mm. Cecilia not being able to visit you. Like running is obviously something you you can hear, like you're passionate about. It mm. sounds like a great outlet. You're running around the base, et cetera. To then lose that, it does suck. It does, yeah. And it is a case of looking like you refer to, like what else can you do? And I noticed, have you brought your bike up for this trip? Yes, did, yeah. 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 So <laughs> have you been riding your bike instead of running? Has do, that been a... Doing a bit of that, that and swimming. Yeah. yeah okay. Just to get the, the body turning over and... And training in other ways. I'm actually super, super lucky with uh, work as well in that we've got an excellent team, which is um, all aimed at keeping us fit in the jet, but they come from a lot of sporting background in terms of um, strength and conditioning coach, um, physical therapist uh, as, as well, and a couple of PTIs. And they're all aimed at keeping us as fit as possible, but um, uh, efforts don't listen to this. They actually help me uh, achieve other stuff as well. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
so helping having them keep me on track and focus on what I can do is is amazing and keeping it keeping it real you know like you don't have to worry about this right now just listen to what your body is telling you and just do what you can and you'll be you'll be good in the future so yeah a, a shout out to them really of having a supporting network around you if you're lucky enough to find that well if you don't have that right now I would definitely try and seek it out if you're in a similar position to me little shout out for a swim run as well what you can do is prep for your swim yeah, yeah. to yeah, get better for your swim run yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I mean, th- just thinking, of course, you have to be super fit to be fly a fighter jet. Yeah, you would be surprised. Surely. Yeah. I think if you're yeah. like an F1 driver, it's like that kind of yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You do. You do. There's a lot of dynamic loading that goes through the body, yeah. um, particularly in your, your neck, uh, your upper back, or your lower back as well. Anything that's loading uh, through your body when you're pulling uh, like dynamic force, uh, we call it G, um, particularly the, obviously there's three. Um, planes that you're going to work in and gz that goes directly from the top of your head down through um your bum essentially and squeezing your body through that they try and keep as as strong as possible to deal with that and obviously when you're flying an airplane and and dealing with uh the the, the cooler aspect of it the dog fighting that you're trained to do then you're going to have to turn your body under that loading and that that is is pretty harsh and you've got to learn how to do it properly and then getting supported by these guys at work is is awesome yeah well that's intense mm. yeah it takes that out of you as well when you've done a bit of that during the day it gets in the way of your training yeah i actually, work yeah. no but yeah. i was thinking that you know we have like the equivalent of like you've got to stand on your feet all day it's like you're putting your body through these incredible forces that i can't really even imagine other than thinking of top gun i'm sorry like it's all like <laughs> totally. it's my reference point <laughs> i apologize how accurate is, is, yeah. yeah how accurate is top oh gun? it's 100 percent real yeah really yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom, yeah do you yeah, mind yeah. just taking your aviators off it's actually you don't need them in here <laughs> oh sorry yeah, okay. I had, I wow it's a lot brighter now <laughs> <laughs> um my dad loves top gun like we had one of those like really cheap um surround sound systems that he would watch yeah, yeah. the um the fast cars go around and like he would turn it up on his sunday that was like his church and he loved Top Gun. Mm. And I'd only really just recently seen it. And I went, this is a great movie. Why didn't anybody tell me about this earlier? And so much so that I'm thinking the next dogs I'll get will be named Mav and Goose. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Except Goose just can't die. Well, Sorry, spoilers. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody should know anyways. Spoiler. <laughs> Apart from your dad, but he's got it now. Hey, man, I didn't see it until like... 2019 <laughs> no yeah it was recent it was real recent i guess you're you're little i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> i've never seen top gun so i wouldn't know you know that's a total lie okay, so I was gonna go, wait seriously <laughs> oh shit it's so not accurate awesome. is that yeah. what we came to it's not accurate yeah um i mean i've heard a lot of cool things about the the new one in terms of the filming is like legit not a lot of that is cgi or changed up um what the original was cgi (laughs) no no well the original was uh i think as well but yeah in terms of the stuff that the guys are doing yeah we all definitely do stuff that (laughs) loose all the time so good oh, bless him. I, love, I love hollywood it's great. yeah oh it's so good at least it gives us some kind of reference point yeah. i don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah. if it's not terribly off then you know there's something we go 
go from there. Okay, now that I've made that terrible reference, I'm going to totally change the conversation. <laughs> yeah, so, <let's> do it. <laughs> in your notes to us, Tom, you wrote about a sailing accident in 2005 when you were sailing to France and you sank a yacht near Cherbourg. Hmm. We love a, a, a failed, in inverted commas, adventure because maybe there's always lessons to be had from this. Do you want to talk us through this experience? That was an epic fail. Oh, my <laughs> God. Um, I was at uni. I'd not long been into sailing, uh, sponsored by the Air Force, and this was through the Joint Services Sail Training Center. Okay. Um, so I could go on a week and just get some adventurous training activities. And the, the, the UK... Uh, military loves sailing as a as a method to do some adventurous training through so i rocked up with um f- five other people total newbies to me um to go and do some sailing on a 34 foot yacht and the, the skipper obviously and the mate need to have minimum qualifications so as long as they could put that together you just go out on a yacht for a week and the skipper comes up with a plan and as long as they've got the qualifications they can go wherever you want to including going to france well we actually planned to go to um, I think it was Guernsey was the okay, plan. Yeah. So sail across the Channel Islands through the Oldney Race, which is is a tricky little bit of passage of water, which is a bit tidal around there. Anyway, knowing what I know now of just plugging, let's going to go, let's go across the Channel, not knowing each other, not having done any kind of team building breakdown or whatever else. Let's just nut it out and do twenty hours of sailing straight off the bat and see how it goes. Um, it turns out it didn't go that well for us, um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Um, so talk it, me through the mechanics of how you sink a yacht well there's a few things that come into the recipe here and the biggest one was really bad weather okay <laughs> like, okay yeah. that's obviously has to be one one aspect of it yeah because the, it's the hard to aspect. sink a yacht yeah from my understanding now my understanding comes from phil who loves boats mm. would love to live on a boat i want nothing to do with living on a boat yeah. <laughs> yeah. but he tells me a lot of stuff about boats so it's got to be bad weather what else happened um, not having great kit. Okay. So not being able to actually figure out exactly where we were and not having a decent enough assessment of what the weather was doing to us and our track. Okay. So forecast, uh, this is 2005, February, 2005. So yeah, really warm day. I think it was actually Valentine's day. Great. Aww. Um, <laughs> when we invaded Sherbrooke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had a really basic GPS, which gave a lap long plot out. And you had to plot that onto a map. And I think we were in about, uh, probably about 35 knots of breeze at the time. So like four, six. Um, And it would have been at least five, six meter swell. It was really tricky conditions. Um, On a little boat like that, which isn't meant to go faster than like eight or nine knots, probably. I think we were doing like 14 knots through the water at certain points with the the whole... um, pretty much most of the rudder coming out of the water at like the apex of the of the waves wow. so you, you, you'd really heave into wind quite heavily mm. um so it's tricky sailing but yeah the culmination of not having great kit to figure out exactly where you were like in those conditions going below deck reading a plot and then trying to put it onto the map you might as well have just like blindfolded yourself and stabbed it with a knife and be like we are here <laughs> uh, and to keep your breakfast down as well just be oh. like oh my god it was pretty savage. So, so how'd you get out of it? Um, well, essentially we had a lee shore, so the wind was behind us, the tide was behind us, it was all pushing us towards France. <laughs> so <you had laughs> one tri- thing going for you. <laughs> peninsula. We're, we're reaching land. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and we yeah we were pretty much out of control through the water at that point like really fast um over ground heading towards um just west of Sherville. and it was the middle of the night probably 15 hours through sailing at that point um and i think half of the crew were just completely incapacitated with seasickness and the skipper the first mate and me were were okay enough to go and the mate actually got we jibed accidentally because obviously the wind, wind's behind us on that lee shore jibed accidentally and she only just missed the the boom on across her head oh, um, and kind of got a glancing blow from the sheet the main sheet and just about got out of the way of it but was not obviously not happy having just taken a bit of a hit to the side of the head um i like how casually you say that yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> she was a tough cookie and fast to yeah, it wow. um and then just trying to get some kind of sighting of any lights that we might think could be Sherborg uh, Harbour Entrance, which is a massive like port, by the way. And so it's dark at this time. Oh, yeah, pitch black. Pitch black, night, yeah. yeah. And nice. we couldn't get any sighting or any transits that you could plot yourself, like reverse plot yourself, triangulate off the shore at any point. Um, so, yeah, we just watched the depth gauge go from like 40, 30, 5, boom. And then <laughs> and just then, hit. Well, we hit the keel first up. And hove to just tr- put the engine on, tried to just steer away from lights and, <laughs> and land. And not, that wasn't working for us. Um, so now we could see what I reckon that time of night, maybe 20 meters in front of you, in front of the boat. You can't see that well, obviously. Yeah. And we're just looking out for rocks. So we glanced the keel at that point and then we're looking for rocks. And we could see breakers out to sea from us, which oh. is not good. So we we're obviously in a channel at that point. Um, and then eventually just were bearing down on a bunch of rocks ahead of us and just tried to just steer away from them and just smash the boat real hard into <laughs> a lot of rocks. And before this happened, all the crew was up on deck in their um, survival harnesses and hanked on. And uh, yeah, when we finally hit the rocks, that, uh, that final iteration, tried to steer away from them towards the shore and hit super hard. And I was like, like thrown against my, my harness. And at that point, we were just out, totally out of control. We were done. So we were bounced around over rocks in pretty big seas for for a while, taking on huge amounts of water. I went below deck to try and put out a mayday. We were in a VHF yeah. black spot, even better. No response. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, taking on a bunch of water, like, pretty quick. Um, everybody got below deck initially to just try and ride out, getting smashed around. We probably he- healed over by... Um, up to 45 degrees at certain points with us being pushed over rocks but the good thing was is that it was pushing us towards land and and more safety so the great biggest, yeah well <laughs> well on. land is better than ocean at this yeah, point fair enough um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my geez that it's like you can laugh now but that yeah. would have been terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. yeah it wasn't great yeah i had had better valentine's days yeah yeah um but yeah eventually we made the decision that it's it it's better to leave the boat than stay in it at this point because of the amount it's moving around um and it seemed to kind of rest just above the water on some rocks so it wasn't going to totally sink uh, out of its out of its depth so um yeah by that point it was stable enough for us to just get the the life raft out and cut it loose and head to shore which was less than a k why by that point and where did you eventually actually land we got on some random beach and walked up and down it and it actually had a lifeboat station there, oh. which was not 24 hour manned, and, but it had a panic button next to it. So we pushed that and a chopper came out within minutes and strafed the beach, saw the, saw the boat and we set out a parachute flare, which we took from the, from the boat yeah. out towards the, uh, the, the, the yacht. Ensis was the name of it. 
and um, obviously with Alicia we shot this thing towards the, the yacht and it just kind of came straight back towards us <laughs> <laughs> like here we are yeah, on okay, land yeah. there's Sherbourg behind us yeah right great well done. little fireworks display yeah. for the locals <laughs> yeah we're in this vicinity um, but it did momentarily highlight the yacht which was really eerie just seeing this thing just getting smashed to pieces why and um, yeah the the, uh, the French um, search and rescue chopper came down hovered guy jumped out of it it obviously searched the the, the water mirrors first and we gave them a thumbs up they disappeared and then the land-based emergency services came after that gosh yeah. that i mean you you like kristen says you know we can laugh about it and you talk about it so calmly but and i also am aware you obviously have like military training but that does sound pretty scary and if half your team are already incapacitated like with sickness like mm. how did that work as a team like making the call like okay we're leaving it like does your skipper just make that and everyone goes or how did that work yeah pretty much i think it worked pretty well at the time it was a while ago now in yeah. terms of people saw that this was the decision that we're going to make yeah. if this is a good decision then let's let's just follow with it and do what we can and i, I remember it working pretty well in, in terms of there's a clear exit here there's a clear duration method and Let's just do it. February, I know you said warm. It's it's cold in February, right? Yeah, like, it was pretty cold. Yeah. Well, I'm just imagining yeah. you in the ocean, like in the pitch black, cold. It was salt freezing. Water. Yeah, your yeah. survivability time is not great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you go back with your tail tucked between your legs and like, <laughs> so that boat that you met us borrow. <laughs> it's kind of in France, yeah. <laughs> just going to stay there indefinitely. <laughs> Yeah, there was a whole board of inquiry for it. Was it, was, it? Yeah. it was one of Her Majesty's cell training vessels. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, uh, so that one. Sailing um, is no longer the preferred <laughs> activity. You know what? I I kept sailing, I, and I did keep sailing for a bunch of years, and raced for the Air Force after that. And um, they actually bought another Victoria Thirty Four was the type of boat, and uh, called it Ensis Two. Oh, <laughs> wow! Never, never sailed it. I'm sure it's great. Sure. <laughs> That's a brave choice. <laughs> Hopefully none of your crew steps back on two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always a story behind a sign. There's always yeah. a story behind a two and a three. <laughs> oh dear. Some of my, the guys that I was at university escort and, and they went on another sail trip um, a few months later and they actually went to Sherbourg and they, they sent me a picture of Ensis pulled out and oh. there was, yeah, this poor thing had a hole in it, like, I don't know, a couple of feet across oh, in, wow. in the bow, like all the way through the hole. It hadn't become yeah. like a tourist attraction for like <laughs> the English guys. It did for my mates. They're yeah. like, You're right, let's see what yeah. it's like. <laughs> How bad did they really get it? Oh, dear. <laughs> um, inquiry, I'm sure that there was a bit of um, inquiry in terms of the substances potentially in your system. Uh, it only brings me back to the idea um, a few years ago, there was somebody in Malulaba. Mm. So me just on a regular morning run, I come around the bend as I've done 8,000 times because it's just my regular out and back. Mm. And there's this boat just on Malulaba beach and it's a big boat. No like kidding. it's a, a big fishing boat, I think is what it was. Do you remember when yeah, this happened? I do remember yeah. It, yeah. And I came around the corner, I was running with Bear. I'm like, whoa, that's not supposed to be here. And it was like four <laughs> o'clock in the morning or something. But but it turned out, you know, the guy, inverted commas, fell asleep. Hmm. He was very smashed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was a military operation. No, that was not. <laughs> no, that was not. That's just the only thing that I've gotten common. <laughs> <laughs> Closest experience. 
Orleans. Yeah. Phil really wants to sail across to um, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And I've told him, you have an amazing trip. I will fly over and meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we were last night for dinner, I said I'd join him. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. you guys have fun. I have Need no you? sailing experience, but, you know, I'm yeah. curious. Okay. There's, you can go the long way up, apparently. You know, he's made the sales pitch to me. Yeah. After that story. Hell's no. <laughs> I'd be fine. Deep ocean is fine. There's no rocks out there. You'd be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Um, have you done a lot of other stuff like with a team kind of adventure or is most of, I guess, are most of your adventures solo? Currently m- more solo just because of the conditions that we live in now, we find ourselves in. Um, but yeah, I do love a team uh, adventure. I started out with my first one was an ultra race in, uh, sorry, a how would you describe it? Multi-disciplined um, adventure race. Yeah. Like a multi-sport race? Yeah. 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 It was actually run by Drambui. Oh. Um, I just dropped a name in your podcast there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's uh, okay. We don't have any sponsors. Right. It's a whiskey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a Scottish whiskey. It's a blended whiskey. Yeah. I, about, I, I know. When I said whiskey, I was like, is it? Is Loosely. that the right description? Yeah. yeah. What's the difference between whiskey and... Is it whiskey and scotch that are pretty much the same? Oh, you're get, you're going to no. take... So it's literally like saying champagne or not or fizzy wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just it, you're right. It's the location that it's, it's come from. Is Scotland, that right? Yeah. If yeah, it's like a, a Highland like single malt and it doesn't have it won't have the e in the whiskey. Like that's whiskey from the Highlands. Mm. True whiskey. Mm-hmm. The rest, whatever. Whatevs. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Grand Beauty. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So adventure race. In Scotland, which was amazing, with a bunch of dudes from um, the Air Force so, a few years ago now. And that, that was my first taste of it. That was a bunch of fun. Was that yeah. like running, mountain biking? Yeah. Like... Um, whitewater rafting, oh, cool. kayaking, um, archery, um, okay. all kinds of stuff in it over two days. Nice. Um, that just sounds like summer camp for Americans. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Um, and yeah, one of the guys that uh, that was on that is one of my my very good friends. He's currently running across the Atlantic. Would you believe it? Oh. Right now, yeah. Shout out to him and his and his crew. Hope they're going well. Oh. Five, five, six days in. Oh, I think I've noticed you posting a little mm. bit about this because mm. we just interviewed Danny Longman, who was part of the Polar Row. I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, so well, it was yeah. an Arctic Ocean Row. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was like, oh, another Ocean Row. There you go. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, the Atlantic Flyers. Look them up. Yeah. Okay. Atlantic Flyers. Nice. nice. Have you done any ocean rowing? Is that something? I have not. No, no. no. I would would have a go. Um, Mm. I'll have a go at anything, pretty much. Um, But um, yeah, that's a pretty big shout. It'd be really interesting to see how they go. That's a a serious team effort. When we're talking about team and solo stuff, you're going to get to know people. Yeah, yeah, huge one. So I haven't taken anything on that big. Um, Much, much more usual for my bag to be uh, a little bit more self sufficient. Yeah, Mm -hmm. a couple of people. And in terms of like, you talk about fast packing, like rim to rim, and then you've got um, like racing MDS, for example, do you have a preference for racing versus just self-supported adventure? Like, do you need that competition element? What drives you in, in those environments? Mm, Definitely um, racing is a good driver for everything else. So to have that goal to train for is is important to me personally i guess it's just the way that a lot of people are wired that you just want to see how well you can go against other people and and see what your body's up to uh, right now and benchmarking so I, I use that more of a as a motivation for training and then use the the fun stuff as a byproduct of that which is i don't know you probably you probably talk to many people about this in terms of what's more important the 
the goal or their journey and the the journey is obviously what you spend more time at and um making the most of that journey is is important to me so that's why not throw some adventures in there when you can along the way totally that's a great way to like do training mm. is to add in all the fun stuff off mm. to the side yeah just nice to have that fitness right off the back of like some structured training yeah. to have the fitness to do the adventure stuff i'm lacking that right now so i definitely feel that <laughs> no, that's cool feels. is there anything that you're looking were you looking to do black all this year? Is that in my head? I think you were. You and Cecilia were going to run hand to hand, weren't uh, you? I was this year, yeah. yeah. If, if Queensland would have let me in, but uh, yeah, oh, yeah no dice. Queensland, yeah. No, instead, poor Tom was at home, and I'm like on WhatsApp to him, like, oh, so Cecilia's having a hard time. That's like, right. our number one crew here. I Absolute know, legend. right? Yeah. <laughs> No, so, I have had the pleasure of crewing Cecilia a couple of times, but yes. I know that she would have much preferred to have had you there. And that was definitely, like, it makes it hard, right? And she'd obviously had you, so you had crewed her at Ultra Trail Australia, mm. which, yeah, I mean, she's, I'm sure she's happy to see me, but it's just not quite the same well, as you. 100%. Tom, so. No, it's super appreciative. You did an awesome job. No, so not good. at all. It was my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> So I'm conscious of your time and the fact we have stolen you. Um, we are, this will be landing in a couple of weeks after Boxing Day. So early January. Yeah, cool. In terms of intentions for 2022, you mentioned Europe potentially. Is there anything that you're specifically working towards? Um, well, peace, curing cancer. Um, they're at the top of my list. I don't know Good how realistic things. that is for 2022. Um, <laughs> however. You should uh, probably pick something bigger, I think. <laughs> Okay, uh, Mars. Mining on Mars. Let's go with that. <laughs> Screw that. Jupiter. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Jupiter. Dope. Or Saturn. Yeah. Balls of gas. Uh, <laughs> similar similar to me, some might say. Um, anyway, uh, let's go with Six Foot Track and UTA. Ah, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I've got a spot for Six Foot. Yeah, which fantastic. Which is hard to get. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's so funny. Like, it dep- it's it all depends on your sphere of influence, right? And I, I look on running chats for me and then all of a sudden, yeah, I've got a spot, I've got a spot, I've got a spot. There's so many people I know that are going to be in it. So that's great. That's really nice. Because mm. Cecilia ran that last year. She did. did she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And were you there? Yeah, you were there when she was running as well. I was there, yeah. Doing a terrible job at trying to... Trying to get from fight. checkpoint to yeah. checkpoint. Oh my God. <laughs> Crewing's no joke. Was Crewing? that at UTA or at no, Six Foot Tracks? Yeah, yeah, okay. Because I heard you like totally nailed UTA. UTA yeah. was good. That went well for us, yeah. yeah. Six Foot's tricky to get around. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you don't have to worry about crewing if you're racing. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. yeah. So we should be both be doing that. So that'll be fun. Cool. Be what event there. are you going to do for UTA? 100. Yeah. Awesome. All going well. That's right. Yeah. Touch wood. Touch wood again. <laughs> have you run 100 before, Tom? I have not raced 100 k's. No. Oh. Because no. you've obviously yeah, run yeah. your, like, yeah, yeah mm. kilometer. I mean, you're, this is going to be exciting. You're going to be, yeah. like, going places. And, yeah. It's yeah. so good. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, six foot will be great yeah. obviously yeah. that's kind of more my distance at the moment from what i've tried but um yeah super stoked for uta and is jody still your coach yes yeah cool shout out to jody you <laughs> <laughs> which is also how you and cecilia met which it is yeah as well. yeah we yeah. have jody to thank for that no yeah. kidding yeah, yeah. That's I, cool. I still don't know whether she intended to do some kind of matchmaking deal but <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it worked out regardless yes. so that's thanks, awesome thanks jody yeah very good. When is it? Just a quick one. Where's when is six foot track and when's UTA? It's like mid March, like fourteenth or something like that for March. Quickly after that in May. And then May, UTA. yeah. So six foot will be quote quote training then. Yeah, yeah. It's, we'll see how that goes. They all compete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's marathon distance, right? Like forty two days, over. is it? Yeah, yeah. forty five. Yeah, 45. Yeah. yeah, with a lot of vert. 
It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. And it's a great vibe there as well. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Mm. Cool. Nice. So um, we round up with one very important question, Tom. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Curious. How's this going? So um, I was coaching a group of little girls mountain biking on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. And it was just an hour session. And during that hour, they could never manage to get through without needing to go to the toilet. So their request was typically, can we go for a wild wee? Okay. Okay. So the deep and meaningful question that we have for you, Tom, is can you tell us about your wildest wee? Oh, wildest wee. Yes. <laughs> How to interpret that? Do you mean like wild as an out in event, uh, out in nature or like, oh my God, that is wild. The interpretation is entirely up to you. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I could give you something, you know, weeing off the Grand Canyon or whatever, but. There's been um, a bit of a height trend with men I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the hype no I, I've got, I think I've got a better one um so yeah I, I weed pretty much eye to eye with the uh the prime minister of Australia yeah <laughs> you didn't see that one coming did you <laughs> and you must elaborate please so I will elaborate on this um I was sat in a F-18 oh, it wasn't Julia Gillard <laughs> No, it was Malcolm Turnbull. Great guy. Um, he appreciated it. Uh, I was actually sat in an airplane um, at Amberley, just having flown back from ops in the Middle East. And because we had drawn out of uh, the Middle East and the airplanes would turn home safely after successful you know, um, uh, deployment over there, we, we were all parked up with the Prime Minister, the Chief of Air Force, the Minister of Defence, all the big wigs just um, uh, coming to welcome us back, which is much appreciated, obviously, and all of our families, etc. So we'd we'd flown um, from the Middle East to Diego Garcia to Perth, and then across Australia um, after that in various hops. So, and as part of that, obviously, we did a bit of showboating over the base and flying fast and low. It took a while to do all that stuff. So we landed, and having been focused for like the last hour, so I was like, oh, I'm really relieved. <laughs> Gotta go! Oh my god! And like. It's, I'm not going to die. Having been in an airplane for many hours, it's not, there's nothing that's like really salubrious about it. You literally exit that cockpit with bags of your own piss and trash and all kinds of stuff and stinking like high hell. It's not, it's not glamorous. Let's put it that way. <laughs> anyway, we are sitting there and we're trying to do this um, in formation, open up the canopies with all these jets pointing at each other, looking really smart and slick. And I'm one of the first ones in and I'm waiting and waiting. Just like, I have to go. <laughs> And um, yeah, Malcolm Turnbull, et cetera, bless them. And Maurice Payne and the chief of, uh, chief of Air Force were all just outside the jet. And obviously, luckily, you know, I'm looking down on them and the side of the jet still is quite high. So they can't see what I'm doing from shoulder down. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm doing that. Is this on camera? Like, was this like being broadcast to the nation at the same time? Oh, yeah. There were media crews there. I'm just, like, just like, wait. Just wait. Wait. Oh, this is so good. Oh, God. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant that's a pretty good wild <laughs> we i'm very impressed yeah also i kind of think i want to call you out because it sounds like top gun is pretty accurate if you're doing all these low flying <laughs> sexy stuff and then up like it kind of sounds like Top Gun. Yeah. I don't remember Tom Cruise exiting the cockpit with bags of pee. <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's true. If yeah. only you got to see that in real life. Oh, yeah. So good. That is 
absolutely brilliant. That's going to be a very memorable one. Not that we have competitions yeah. here with Wildest Weeds, but you're doing well, Tom. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm pleased with my Wild Weeds. You can go home <laughs> feeling proud of yourself tonight. Plus, hell's no pineapple on pizza. I'll put uh, another plug. Yeah. Oh my God, we're Sweet. never going to hear that. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> All right, so if anyone wants to look you up online, is there anywhere that you would suggest, Tom? Yeah, um, my socials, I guess, at Tom Kinnow is going to be on Instagram or Tom Kinsey on Facebook. That's me. Cool. Say hi. Thank you so much for your time. Like, we really do appreciate it. It's been really fun just to chat and get to know you more. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Sarah and Kristen. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Awesome. Everybody's nice and sweaty. Oh, and yeah. another little shout out to Bear. He's actually been sleeping the whole time. He's been the first dude. time that we've been. It's so that... hot. He's passed out. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a. He's breathing. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time we've done that night. Maybe that's different. So well trained. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's just because no skateboarders came by. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank awesome. you, Tom. It was lovely to talk to you. So good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N A E for all you non Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash podcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.